Welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I'm joined by my dear friend and colleague, Jeff Jacobson. And in today's episode, the first of two, by the way, Jeff digs into his own story of his childhood in Seattle, the juxtaposition of discovering safety in the rules in Catholic schools, while at the same time noticing his own uh, same-sex attraction. He goes into finding his way to college via his local swim team, of all places, the experience he had in competitive swimming, uh, which led to the world of Asian studies, a year in Asia that ended up expanding to, uh, over, over a number of years, uh, a total of six years that he spent in Asia. We dig into the value of warmth and how he developed a love of home and country through the experience of being away. And finally, we touch on the value and variety of rituals and cycles in one's life. There's a lot to this first of these two, of this two-part conversation with Jeff Jacobson. And we'll get to in just a minute. Just a reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting directory. And with that, let's get into part one of my conversation with the inimitable Jeff Jacobson. Enjoy. Welcome, Jeff. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me, Ken. Thank who I so oftentimes call you my cousin, and you yes. call me cousin. Cuz. <laughs> so, cuz, let's start here. What was it like growing up in your part of the world? Uh, wet and cool and rainy. I'm from Seattle, born and raised, uh, born in 1968. Um, you know, maybe like you, I've thought so much about that time as an adult, uh, away from it growing up there, uh, things like the weather, I just sort of assumed everywhere was always wet. Um, (laughs) um, Two loving parents who knew that they didn't want to raise their kids the way they were raised. And so in a lot of ways, we got benefit from that. And in a lot of ways, it was sort of a reaction against. So um, loving, uh, sweet folks. And I don't think they really knew how to handle uh, my sister and me, who were quite different. Um, And being the youngest, I sort of watched what she did and learned, I think, a little bit more diplomacy or like, oh, I'm not going to try to do things like that. Um, Went to public school until fourth grade. And right at that time, Seattle was involved, as many cities in the U.S. were, in desegregation and busing. And uh, my parents decided for a lot of reasons, some of which I don't understand, that they were going to pull us out of public school and put us into Catholic school, put us into private school so we wouldn't be bused across town. That was the reason we were told. I don't know if that's fully it, if it was, they they weren't sure about how this integration thing and desegregation was going to go. But from fourth grade on, I became pretty Catholic. And uh, that, without being fully converted into Catholicism. That was kind of my worldview for all the way until I graduated from high school. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just out of curiosity, um, before entering, uh, 
uh, Catholic school, were you, we raised Catholic up before fourth grade? No, Protestant. Uh, my mom has a UCC congregational background. We went to church, not that quote unquote religiously, but, um, uh, yeah, we're kind of the Easter and Christmas Christians. And then with Catholic school, you have religion class every day. You have first Friday mass every month. You have a first Friday math every month. And, uh, it definitely became more of my, it was like a social thing to do. I also wanted to fit in. And I think it, it's so interesting. My sister was in seventh grade when we started Catholic school. I was in fourth and I was already aware of, of uh, some same sex attraction. And I thought, Oh shit, this is not going to go well. Unlike the UCC church, thank God the Catholics lay it all out and very specific rules, just follow these and everything should be fine. So <laughs> I think that's, but later my sister's like, well, you didn't follow all that stuff. Did you? And I'm like, you didn't. Yeah. There was safety and rules. <laughs> so, because you mentioned the, 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 I knew we'd get here sooner or later, but you mentioned the, the same sex attraction. So, yeah, you know, in that, uh, it, well, what was it like for you navigating that in that, that environment, learning about yourself in that way? Awful. Terrifying. Um, Unlike a lot of queer folks I've talked to, you know, I don't know what the percentages are, but a lot of folks are like, yeah, this is me. It's going to be rough for a while. And I fought it in myself. I, I sort of like, uh, I'm just going to deny it. I don't want it to be true. I hope this can go away. Let me pray harder, pray the gay away. Nobody ever told me to do that. I certainly did it on my own. Um, and I felt like I was given a roadmap for how to be a virtuous person. So that was kind of relieving, even though it seemed kind of pointless at the same time. Yeah, when you say you were given a roadmap of, uh, of, of unpack that a little bit, roadmap of how to be a virtuous person. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I think the religious education I had up until that point is there's this God and do these things, but it was a little vague. And then, you know, in starting at, at Holy Family Elementary School in, in, in Seattle, um, you have things like um, the Apostles' Creed, which is this prayer that kind of lays out your Catholic beliefs. And it's like, oh, just follow, follow these beliefs and do these things. These are the sins you shouldn't do. These are the, the, these are the mortal sins. These are the venial sins, which you can kind of get away with. Um, here's a grid and a map, and you can plot it out, and you're going to make it to heaven. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds so weird saying it this way. It was well, just very reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a child of, uh, and when did you, when did, when did you realize that, oh, you know, may, you know, maybe check that box, but that one, yeah, maybe not, you know, yeah. Yeah. When did that, if it has, by the way, I don't know, you may still t have that list on your, you may be looking at that list as we speak, <laughs> Jeff Jacobson. I don't know. It's on my Fitbit. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the, um, do these things, but, oh, I don't fit the straight category. Is that? Yeah. Do, the, do, do, the, do this. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do this. Well, I mean, we were told 
whether it was in fifth or sixth grade, I don't remember, that masturbation is absolutely a sin. And I didn't really know what that was. So I thought, okay, I don't think I'm doing that. So I'm good to go. And then like I, I found a girly magazine. I found a Playboy in my, in my, uh, under my parents' bed. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is rather exciting. And, uh, and then I thought, and I had some kind of guilt-free masturbation for a while until I realized, oh, I think the thing they're talking about in church and at school is the thing I'm doing at home. Crap. Okay. I better rein it in. And that did not go well. So <laughs> that, that was like a losing <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, uh, I, I want to <laughs> circle back. <laughs> I want to circle back to the, to the, to the sex piece. Um, sure. A little bit later. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to lose track of it. I, I do want to make sure we come back to it. Um, because I know that's a that's a that's a space that you do some uh, tremendous work in, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> or have <laughs> used to before the this. Just to let people know, we are recording this on the sixth f- uh, of November, uh, so we are uh, so we're not doing anything where people gather face to face right now. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah I want to come back to that um, and remind me of that if I if I lose track of it. And there's 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 more to your own story uh, that I want to hear because and, and sure. after you left you know after you left high school then what happened? Um, I stayed in the Northwest. I went to University of Puget Sound, which is in Tacoma. And um, another thing that was important about my growing up and us, we moved when I was in second grade to this new neighborhood that had a neighborhood pool at the end of the street, and. Um, what was great about that was uh, they had a swim team and it was really the only time my parents made my sister and me do an activity. They had us both join the swim team because a lot of the kids in the neighborhood did and they thought this would be a great way to fit in. That was really one of the greatest things of my childhood. I learned so much about competition, sports, health, also teamwork, you know, swim team, swim, swimming, like track, it's team and individual sports. So it's got that kind of double combo. I was already playing soccer at the time, but um, just a lot of confidence in, in my own body and uh, a great community with a lot of older kids who I think I looked up to and uh, you know, not a lot of modeling around, it's okay to be queer. So that part was hard, but just some great older kids, some great community. And I think I carried that with me after high school. Um, A lot of these older kids, uh, you know, we were kind of a lower middle-class neighborhood. Some folks went to college, some didn't, a lot of our parents hadn't, but a lot of these kids in this, in this swim team did. And I think that gave me a sense of like, oh, that's something I'd like to pursue. And I'm glad I did. And I hit college my first year and get into um, some philosophy and Asian studies and sociology and just thinking, I don't know what I think about this Catholicism in which I was, in which I was raised. Um, there's, there are more philosophies out there that I wasn't aware of. That, that was kind of a, that kind of fried my brain in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what were you pulled toward? Um, I had to, I took a, a civilization of India class uh, to satisfy a sociology or a history uh, requirement. And 
it was fascinating. I didn't know about this idea of, of karma and uh, um, possibly multiple deities and, you know, polytheism and also just mindfulness. And in a, in a way, I learned more about the mindfulness that had been available to me, available to me in Catholicism that I wasn't aware of. I just did the exercises. Yeah. Um, and I, at, at that time, I was also a nutty linguist. I was, I was really, I'd been studied Spanish forever. And then I was going to take Japanese, but I couldn't get in as a freshman. So I started taking Chinese and just the, just this different mindset from what I grew up in, which was pretty white, uh, pretty Catholic, uh, Northwest, which is also kind of conservative Scandinavian background. And then there was this very different world that I was exposed to. And I ended up becoming an Asian studies major with a Chinese minor and then lived in Asia my senior year. So that just, I think it just sort of cracked the world open for me in a way that I hadn't seen. I do hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jeff Jacobson. And just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe on your favorite podcasting service to Mojo for the Modern Man. Let's get back into it. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh... And you're, of, of course, you're, you're, uh, you're fluent. Conversational. I conversational. Say conversational. Yeah. yeah. And pro- I can, uh, yeah. And professionally conversational. I can, I can, I do work in Mandarin. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and so and that, that year in Asia, boy, there's so many questions I want to ask you and, uh, <laughs> that are just popping into my head at the same time. So I'll just go with the one that just started to come out of my mouth. And that was, sure. you know, what, what, you know, if you could look at very specifically or broadly by it, it's up to you, you know, the, the, the ways in which that year in Asia um, uh, c- continues to uh, have ripples to this day. Sure. What do you see there? What do you see? Um, well, the one year turned into, I did a year, came back to Seattle after I graduated. I did two more years in Taiwan and I did three years in Shanghai later. So it's six years in Asia in total. Um, Sort of that, I mean, one thing is it cracked open some of my arrogance about, I know how the world works. Mm. Um, At the age of? At the age of 22. When, of course, we all know how the world works. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then, I, then I went and learned how the quote-unquote Asian world work. And yeah. What really I was doing was just filtering it up through my own you know, lens and then coming back and telling everybody else how the world should work. That was really fascinating, I'm sure, for my family. <laughs> but just this, this um, just a different sense of how families live together, uh, how families work and show money and... Uh, um, you know, I think I was, my parents, unlike a lot of my friends' parents, my own parents were actually quite physically demonstrative with us and quite loving, mm. um, you know, maybe more expected by my mom for gender roles, but my dad was too in a very sweet way. And, um, but I didn't get that a lot from my friends' parents. There was just this, you know, a sense of kind of cold distance, isolation, and, uh, I, that's not what I saw in Asia. And that's a huge broad brushstroke, but just there's kind of more warmth than like the, the waspy uh, upbringing that I had and saw around me. And um, yeah, I liked it. 
<laughs> in, in short, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, and and, and also maybe just a being exposed to different world philosophies made me be even more patriotic about America. It maybe it gave me a a love for my country that I I think I could really claim as my own rather than just what I was taught to believe. Mm, mm. And even even more of an appreciation for the religious and cultural upbringing that I had and the benefits that I could see only after I left it. That that continues up till today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what do you see there when you say the the, the you know the the benefits? What do you see? Um I I didn't really understand I think one of America's uh secret sauces which is about kind of wacky creativity. Um, this sort of can do, let's try shit out and see where it can go. Um, I didn't really see that or recognize that other parts of the world appreciated that in America. Um, lots to complain about both whether you're abroad looking back or living in the States, but that kind of boundless, Hey, let's try some stuff out and see what we can create from it. That, uh, I really appreciated that. And I think that was really, um, I was encouraged to do that too. And in terms of, if I could look back, back at Catholicism, just a sense of the mystery, um, being able to hold um, like seems things that seem conflicting at the same time. And also just a love of ritual. I've definitely carried that with me. Yeah. And what, and what has, what, so what's the gift of the love of ritual been? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that you can light a candle, say a prayer, hold some beads in your hand, um, whether you're following a certain tradition or not, claim a part of nature to calm my, that I can, and calm my mind and see what is my connection right now with the, with God or the divine. Uh, or, you know, for folks that follow more of an atheist path, like what's my connection with greater humanity or my best self. And, um, you know, it felt like a chore growing up or it's just these exercises we had to do or maybe like wax on, wax off in Karate Kid. Uh-huh. Then, la- then later, like it's stressful living and trying to make money and working and figuring out relationships. It's like, oh, shit, these, <laughs> these r- rituals work really well for this too. like calms me down, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that you're bringing this up. I love that you bring this up, Jeff, because it, well, really, because it's such a reminder, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that, that, that I make up is, is um, missing. And I want to come back to the can do attitude too about this. But one of the things that I think is, is, is missing, it hasn't yet become a lost art, but I think there's a danger that it become a lost art uh, in here in the, here, here at home um, in the U S is the, I, I I think as human beings, there's we need ritual. Now I don't have any mm. research behind that, but at the same time, there's something about you know whether the ritual is story time, you know, mm. whether the ritual mm. is religious or spiritual in nature, uh, whether the the ritual is connecting uh, uh, to nature. Yeah. There's a way that there's a way that we as human beings really need need ritual more than maybe our our big sophisticated cognitive minds gives credit for. 
Yeah, we're, yeah, almost like the the cyclical part of ourself that our cognitive mind may not be able to follow. Yeah. Um, that oh, I'm back. It's that time again. I'm back. Did you have a bar mitzvah? I did. Did it? Did I was it? there. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. Did it have that? like the import of ritual for you or like later when you look back on it, did it have that meaning for you? You know, I think it, uh, 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 I think it did. Uh, and, uh, you know, part, <laughs> part of my evidence for that is it, is it was something that we, uh, that we made sure my son got as well. Yeah. Here I am married to a Catholic woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and and yeah, there is something there. Yeah. There, yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. I, and, and having said that, I don't know, of course, you know, uh, I appreciated it at the time uh, because there was something really, there was something, uh, there was something cool about it that I couldn't really wrap my, my brain around. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, sh- the, the, the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, maybe it sets, it sets in in a way where, like you said, I don't know, I got some comfort from a lot of these rituals that, uh, you know, my intellectual brain, who's like, well, do I think that God exists? Do I, what do I think about this? And is it important? And I can go on these sort of intellectual rants that end up feeling really empty. Yeah. And um, it, it's funny, in a, you know, in the, it, when I lived in Taiwan in the mid-90s, uh, friends of mine were uh, feminists, and I started reading feminist literature, um, and it's like, and literally literature, like fiction, as well as uh, nonfiction. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Like I finally understand economics. Oh, I can finally see, like, I love this, this discussion of gender equity. And, um, and then later I started digging and getting back into um, the cult of Mary or praying to Mary or this idea of Mary as this uh, amazing figure of grace and, and uh, uh, compassion in the Catholic church, but also like kick-ass. Like I kind of like the kick-ass version of Mary. <laughs> and in May, it's the, it's the, May is the month of Mary in this sort of, in this Catholic cycle. And I notice I always kind of dig Mary around May, even though I'm not a practicing Catholic right now. It's weird to kind of come back to that cycle and appreciate sort of what it was instilled in me and then what I developed later in life too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I, 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 I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm grinning over here as I listen to you describe this. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a sweetness to the way you're describing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really foreign when I popped into it in fourth grade and then I absorbed it and then I broke away from it and, you know, it's, I'm sure that's what we all do some version of. And then later it's been interesting just to say, what I really think of this and how does it, what role, if any, does it have in my life? And noticing that, again, as you're describing it, uh, you know, what pops into my head is, and, and also, you know, what, not only what do, I, what do I really think of it, it's like, wow, I'm noticing that I have this longing for X, you know, or I yeah. have this longing, yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, part of me is like, there's a there's a whole class of Westerners that go to Asia and go local, you know, and I'm going to become a Buddhist, a Taoist, a whatever. And you know, I think I tried that for about five minutes. I, 
it didn't seem that respectful not to trash anybody who's done that. It seemed like I was sort of borrowing some stuff. And then I think I've been able to find some of the meaning that I appreciated there through some of the traditions I was raised in and having to carve my own way because for the most part, it's like fags don't get to belong to this. So it's like, oh shit, how do I get to be who I am and love who I love and be queer and have this, uh, I don't know, philosophical life that I, that I care about. Yeah. And yeah, beautiful. And, and I would be remiss if I did not ask you this. And mm -hmm. that is, um, you know, to fill in that part of the story, because you, you became aware, you know, as you, you put it before, you became aware of your attractions at a relatively young age. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so walk us through, you know, the, 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 the coming out of Jeff, if you will. Yeah. Um, in my mind, it came, I, I was kind of a late bloomer. It wasn't until my mid twenties that I came out. I actually had a relationship with a woman at first and it was, I didn't have sex till I was, uh, what, 24, 25. And it was with a woman. I loved it. I thought, this is fantastic. Uh, this is what people have been talking about. What's not to love. What's not to love. Right. And, um, but I, you know, I was still so reined in and tight and, uh, um, I didn't realize how much I just did not trust my internal reaction to the world. Cause you were told not to, I was told not to, mm. uh, you know, in a way, not that I was thinking about it then I can think about it now, basically like anything that I felt I was drawn to in terms of being attracted to boys or men, um, you know, there's this like, Oh, that's evil. It's sinful. It's terrible. You're not supposed to plus you know, everything in movies and TV shows and magazines, it's like a man and a woman, a man and a woman, a man and a woman. So basically I was just like, okay, whatever. It's sort of like when I go to the UK and I cross the street and I want to look a certain way because I'm used to cars driving on the right side of the road. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, make sure you look this way in the UK or, or in Malaysia or Japan, where the cars are on the other side of the road, I have to remember to look the opposite of what feels instinctual. And being queer in this, it, it, me growing up, that's what it felt like. Whatever I'm drawn to, just do the opposite. Thank you so much for joining me, Ken Mossman, your host here on Mojo for the Modern Man, and my guest Jeff Jacobson for this first part of our two-part conversation. I look forward to having you come back and join us for part two. There's a lot more to the story and a lot of uh, a lot of depth and meat to the second part of our conversation. And with that, to find out more about Jeff, you can follow him on Instagram, on Facebook. He has his own website for his writings. And of course, you can find his books on Amazon.com and all that um, information is on the notes for today's program. And with that, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, please do visit me on my website, cirrusleadership.com. You can link uh, to a contact page there to reach out to me. And of course, check out my programming and do subscribe to my weekly musings, my weekly newsletter. Make it a great day, do well, and I'll see you back here next week for part two with Jeff Jacobson on Mojo for the Modern Man. Be well, take care.